Thank you for listening to Tara Lynn's A Geek Saga podcast. This episode features audio from a discussion panel that was recorded at DragonCon 2021. This is uh, Nailed It or Failed It, Jon Snow, where we will be discussing whether or not the show did a good job portraying Jon Snow's character. My name is Tara. I'm your moderator. Uh, I am the founder and organizer of the first ever Song of Ice and Fire Game of Thrones convention in the U.S., which is Ice and Fire Con. I am also a webcaster, podcaster, at uh, a couple a couple webcasts. Uh, you can find me at A Geek Saga all across the web, and I also have a genre, like, lit series podcast called Sagas and Sass. And on my left here, we have... Hello, I'm Matthew. Um, I am a volunteer at Ice and Firecon, and I have uh, done various things. You may know me from a viral Tormund cosplay a couple years ago, and... Um, also, check out Westeros, an American musical. It's dope. Oh, yeah, I'm in that, too. <laughs> She's um, in that, too. <laughs> Marcy Aaron, um, I really, my book just, my life revolves around fantasy books. Um, I still toast Rob Stark. Uh, that's pretty much my, my uh, Tinder bio. Oh, they can't hear you. You need to, uh, oh. yeah, th- some of these mics are really, wait, hold on. No, that one's okay. Just, you have to lean them really close. Testing. <laughs> I've been like leaning back most panel. Okay. Yeah, no, you gotta lean in. Lean Am I in. good now? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cheers to Rob Stark. That's that's it. <laughs> so personally, I'm gonna start this off with saying that Jon Snow seems like an odd character to me to choose as. Well, we did a nailed it or failed it. Were you on the nailed it or failed? No, I don't think you were. We we did a nailed it or failed it panel that was like a general show nailed it or failed it panel um, in 2019. And we talked about some really great characters. Um, to be honest, I think it mostly focused on the ones they failed it on. There were a couple that there were a couple that we, you know, were like, okay, yeah, they nailed it with like Arya or whatever, sort of most most of the time. Um, but uh, to me, Jon Snow feels like a weird, you know, nailed it or failed it character because I personally like just am bored by him ninety percent of the time. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm being honest with this from the start because I don't want anybody to think that I, uh, am being biased in the fact that the show might've nailed it with him because I just, I, I, I don't know that I'm the best person to come to with this opinion because I think that while there were things that they did in the show that felt like really odd and maybe not in character for him, um, and the end, of course, for all of the characters was so rushed, uh, from the start, he really just seemed like the emo little white boy that was written by Martin. Um, so I think I want to pass this on. Uh, we'll go to Matt first, and then we'll go to, I'm sorry, Marcy, right? Marcy, I couldn't really hear... The, the yeah the masks and the microphones y'all um so we'll go to matt first and then we'll go to marcy and hear like their thoughts and we'll like discuss a little bit amongst ourselves but please if you have comments or questions definitely come up to the microphones because a nailed it or filled it panel is all about like audience like participation and discussion because we need to hear how other people felt about it because there's only three of us up here so matt how did you feel about it so um 
I love all the Starks, um, and I love Jon Snow. But I think why I lean failed it on Jon's show, show's arc is that his story is a lot of setup for things that then didn't necessarily pay off strongly. Um, some things we can talk about there. His parentage reveal, one of the central mysteries of the story, and how much that impacted the story, and also impacted his character. Um, his death, which feels like a thing that should monumentally change the way a character is, but Jon Snow post-death feels pretty similar to Jon Snow pre-death. And, by the way, uh, Game of Thrones spoilers, everybody. Uh, if anyone's missing, <laughs> run. And so I think they're just, there are, I like a lot of the things that Jon Snow, the narrative points and the plot points I think are fine, but how they are set up by things that happened previously that do not come to fruition, I think are uh, a little disappointing. Marcy, you um, I think John is kind of that um, never fails, always does the right thing character. Um, and in that, I find that to be a failure because he's predictable. Like, he's going to do the honorable thing. Um, so I never was kind of like, what's he going to do? Like, I was like, oh, this is what this guy's about to do. And uh, that kind of, it made him just less interesting for me. I, I wasn't really um, invested in him as a character. He's predictable. He's going to do the, the, the good guy, the honorable guy thing, which is like the only Stark trait I think he got. Um, and, well, and he's not crazy, so at least that, you know, that part didn't come from the rest of his lineage. But I mean, I think that um, bringing up like the parentage like, and how they revealed that is important. Um, it's not necessarily... It doesn't necessarily change much about how he is as a character in the show but it does change how the audience views him, right? And the fact that they kind of, I, I mean, in, in my opinion, kind of like rushed and pushed it on us. Um, and, and part of that might just be like, as a book reader who has been waiting, you know, how many years now for this like to actually be revealed in the books? Like we all know it's a thing. We all, we, well, I guess I don't want to say we all, but like, if you've ever, like, literally, if you've read the books more than once and you've ever ventured into fandom online, you know that there was this, like, R plus L equals J theory. And uh, to have it revealed the way it was revealed and just, it was just kind of like, yeah, 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 here's what it is and this is it, period. And it didn't, um, I, I don't necessarily think that it should or could or would have changed how Jon Snow acted, but it did absolutely change the viewer's perception of him. And I don't, I mean, I agree that that was not done in the best way possible. Uh, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that? Because you're the one who brought it up now. <laughs> yeah, so I agree. So there's, you know, when we're analyzing a character, there's sort of the uh, in, internal character within the story and whether their arc is being served. And then there's the arc of whether the fans' expectations of that character and their arc are being served. And so I think it's very easy to argue that John's internal character story was rather, was very straightforward and consistent, as people are saying. He kind of did what you expected him to do. Um, and, I mean, in a story of betrayals and disappointment, someone kind of reliably 
doing what they are expected to do and surviving to the end is uh, an accomplishment in and of itself. But I think a lot of what I was saying is that uh, things are set up in the audience's expectations or the reader's expectations that then the way it played out sort of, uh, you know, failed it or disappointed that character arc. Yeah, it, it was, um, well, and it, it also didn't help that we get the reveal that he is, you know, a Targaryen by blood. Um, he's still a bastard, really. Like, I mean, nobody, there, there's like this minimal proof that he that that Lyanna and Rhaegar got married, and also Rhaegar was still married to Aaliyah, so, like, also there's that. Like, and I mean, I know that, like, the Targaryens marry, you know, they were married to more than one person, but those were, like, their siblings, so, you know, just saying, this is, like, a real rough situation here. And we get this, like, reveal that he is a Targaryen, and technically they were, you know, legally married secretly that like nobody and and the only person who knows this is Bran through like warging. <laughs> warging and it's like it's your voice like but I guess Bran's is the best story ever told so <laughs> I'm sorry I had to go there um so I, I mean I I feel like uh we we and I mean, even John himself is just kind of like, I'm nobody. And like, even after he finds out who he actually is, he's still in this, you know, he, he was raised as a bastard. He joined the Night's Watch. He uh, has still like, he pledged his life to the Night's Watch until he died, you know, and then he pledges his life to Daenerys. And listen, I'm not, I'm not pipping Daenerys as a whole, but I'm like the, the pipping the whole like, uh, second half of her well just show. no I mean really really just how he um, really just how like weirdly just obsessed with her he is like I, I I don't know what do you think of so what do you guys think about that because to me it's like I don't I absolutely didn't expect John to be like yeah whatever I'm the king now but at the same time I also uh, his his like weird like attachment and obsession with Daenerys like sure she has dragons but um, she, like, even when he sees how, like, how how kind of just not right she is um, and the, the things that she's doing that are, like, I mean, just murdering entire, like, families. I mean, when, when she, uh, um, not uh, the father Tarly, uh, what's it, Dick and Tarly, when, like, she murders his son, you know, like like, that sort of thing, like, Jon Snow knows all this stuff is happening and he still is just like, yeah, it's fine because she's Daenerys. Um, and I think that for somebody who has spent the entire series sort of like, he 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 does the things, um, like like when he's with the wildlings and stuff, he he's not quite on the level as he perceives it, but he's still doing right. And then he gets with her and it's like, he just tosses all of that out the window a little bit. So I don't know how you guys feel about that. I think he's naively like holding on to her OG end game with, um, she wants to do the right thing. Like she wants to, you know, she, has, she wants to do it with slavery and things like that. Like she, her original end game was an honorable one. And I think he like holds on to hope that that's where it's going to go. Um, and he's kind of convincing himself of otherwise. Um, but at some point, you got to be like, all right, like, this isn't working out. Um, 
But he just held on to that for whatever reason. I, I really think... <laughs> if you would... If you... If anyone, obviously, modern day, and I know this is fantasy, but... If you were to find out the person that you are, like, in love with is really, like, a family member and you didn't realize, like, you'd be like, uh, we gotta, we gotta see other people. Um, it's bizarre to me that he was just kind of like, well, this is uncomfortable, but it, it's alright. Like, uh, that's, like, the only thing. That's, okay, there's a, there's a fail. There's a fail for Ron. Um, but yeah, I think he was just holding on to her in-game and hoping that she would eventually revert back to what she originally wanted, which was a great thing. I mean, that's why people still are, like, such huge Danny fans. Um, they think of, like, early Danny because there's no way you like her after, like, the end of the last season, like, unless you're just holding on to early on Danny, which is what I think John was doing. Um, I mean, I think that <clears throat> the reveal that – the reveal that she's his aunt, I mean, he's very clearly, like, pretty freaking uncomfortable with it. To me, it almost felt a little bit like he was scared of, like, of, like, he doesn't really necessarily want this, but he's also scared to say no, which is, like, problematic in and of itself, so. But is that, uh, like, a love thing, or is that, like, a Stockholm thing? Like, uh, I think he really, like, had feelings for her and was just like, this is not appropriate but dang, I don't want to, like, step away. Like this is I don't know. Personally, dragons. I felt like it was maybe more of a Stockholm thing. I don't know. What do you think, Matt? Uh, it also might be sort of a Stark honor thing. Oh, so, yeah, like, that too, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Our, our, our Stark men, um, when they commit to something, they hold to it to, often to their death. Um, and so in this, John may have been like, I, I had uh, slept with her, and so he was going to hold to that until it led to his death, and... Um, you know, I mentioned his post-death uh, sort of arc. A lot of John's post-death arc is sort of this vacillation between his single-minded focus on destroying the Night King and mm -hmm. this almost sort of seemingly suicidal tendency or this, this sort of resignation to his eventual death. And so I, I think you can kind of see there. The other thing about his Daenerys sort of, uh, you know, obsession, fascination, is that John's story is one of him being sort of, from the beginning, he's set up as the outsider. He's, he's the outsider among the Stark children, being a bastard. He goes to the Night's Watch, which is in itself a group of cast-offs and outsiders. Um, he finds some family there, but then he gets sent off to the Wildlings, finds an attachment there, but there he is again, an outsider. They all know him as the Crow. He then returns to the Night's Watch, this found family, and finds now that his views on the wildlings have made him, again, an outsider there. Mm -hmm. um, he does eventually get leadership there, um, but is betray betrayed by those people, stabbed by those, that, again, that found family, and is cast out, essentially. He then returns to the North and, you know, uh, is rejected by the North with uh, Sansa and Davos, as we see. And so when you get to that, when he gets to Daenerys, he finds someone who uh, is accepting of him and interested in him and, and um, finds his actions interesting, you know, whether it's him bowing to her. Or his, his lack of interest in power really fascinates Daenerys, whose story is all about her desire to protect versus her desire to control. Um, and so I think a lot of what we're seeing with Jon and Daenerys is he's sort of He's holding on to this place that that welcomes him and accepts him. And that's why he's also so nervous about telling Daenerys about his origin, because he's 
he's afraid it's going to be another thing that's going to push him into being an outsider again. Hmm. Yeah, no, no, you're you're totally right on that. Like he his his whole story is about like as soon as he feels sort of accepted, he is pushed off, you know, to the side again. And um, I think that with with Daenerys, it's like, it's actually, it's, it's at the end there where he finds out what his parentage is, it's almost like the opposite. It's like, he's not an outsider anymore. He actually right. is supposedly like, Part more viable as as you know the the heir to the, as being the heir to the throne than she is um hence his constant like i don't want it i don't want it um which was just hilariously like just repetitive and and bad honestly um not because you don't believe it because you know he doesn't actually want it but the fact of the matter is that Daenerys is, a, Daenerys is more of an outsider than he is. And he doesn't even see that because he has been treated as an outsider his entire life. as First as a bastard, and then even as a member of the Night's Watch. They're still outsiders. And then, he, like you said, he joins the Wildlings, and then he's pushed away from the Night's Watch. Then he goes back to the Night's Watch, and he's like in this weird, like, not accepted by either, you know, either group. Um, so, yeah, he finds that acceptance with Daenerys only to realize that he can't actually find that acceptance with her because he uh, outstrips her. He is actually more important than her, according to Bran. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but the, just, just the idea of like the only person in the entire realm who knows that he actually is like the, the quote unquote bigger, better heir to the throne is like this kid who's like, yeah, the trees told me. <laughs> like, it's just... How? Like, I mean, when you've got these, like, freaky ice men creature things that, like, steal babies and, like, I don't think, like, war games, like, the craziest thing within the Game of Thrones Oh, absolutely world. not. No. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's quite um, inconvenient for Bran to be, like, his backup yes. in terms of, like, in what addition, happened. In addition to his half-brother swearing this is true, he also has his best friend and his best friend's wife finding a book that says they got married. So, you know, really, oh, I forgot this about is tons that. of evidence. Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry. Let me just Benny off on why says, I'm sorry, I just forgot about that book. <laughs> you forgot about the Gilly erasure? I forgot, <laughs> I forgot oh, about that Gilly. book. I kinda I, I kinda I kinda forgot about that book. <laughs> about as much as uh Danny forgot about Euron and his his ships. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think too, um now I can't stop thinking about like the no feeling that Dan that he gets with Danny after a while. I think a lot of that too um, is like head versus heart. Like I really think he like fell for her and just logically knew like this is not right. Um, so I feel like that had to have been like a head versus heart kind of thing. I mean, the first woman he loved like chocked him full of arrows. So it's kind of like uh, he's, he doesn't have the best luck when it comes to women or um, allies <laughs> or like the only people that ever were. Nope, never mind. I was gonna say his siblings, but not all of them were good to him either. Um, Man, poor John. This is like a really depressing panel. <laughs> <laughs> poor 
poor guy. His sisters do good comments. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, also, please, again, I've seen a couple of people kind of raise their hands. If you have questions, please go to the mics. We are not going to be able to hear you otherwise. I'm really sorry. Or, like, we might, but the people on the other side of the room will not. Yes. Uh, okay, you were first. You were first. I saw, I saw your hand first yeah. earlier. Oh, the first, the first, is this work? Is it on? I'm sorry. <laughs> Just tap it. Tap it. Is it on? <laughs> yeah, it's on. It's on. You got to lean in real close. The first thing I was going to say is that incest was kind of accepted then. So him breaking, like, breaking things off because they were related doesn't really feel right, even though like, it feels weird to say that. Um, the second thing is, in a word of advice to everybody, if someone has two very large dragons, you probably shouldn't dump them. Oh my gosh, what was that? What was that scene where like the dragons were watching them make out, and the dragons are just like, <laughs> John was like, whoa. Uh, I will say this though. I will say this. I'm not going to completely disagree with you. However, incest was grudgingly accepted in Westeros with the Targaryens because they were the Targaryens. But like, there's a big reason that like, like it was expected that when the Targaryen dynasty was gone, that it wasn't going to happen anymore. And, and of course, like, there, there's always some like incest because all the high lords and everything, they're all kind of like related or distantly related to each other. But, um, uh, uh, like, I mean, the Cersei and Jamie thing, that was a big ass secret because like they knew that this, you know, Cersei wanted to be like, ah, but the Targaryens did it, but really, like, they knew that this was very much frowned upon outside of the Targaryen dynasty. So, like, I don't, I'm not completely disagreeing with you because incest was absolutely a thing outside of that, but like the direct, like, aunt and uncle, I mean, this was like Daenerys's brother's son. Um, that's like a little bit different than like a first or second cousin, even. So, like, keep that in mind for sure because, like, yeah, like, like it, it, the Targaryen siblings got married, but it was okay, quote unquote, because they were Targaryens. This was something that Westeros as a whole only accepted because they were Targaryens. And John was not raised as a Targaryen. He was raised as a Stark. So like Daenerys absolutely is like, whatever, man, you're my uncle. I don't care. But John's over here like, this is a little bit weird. Uh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you're all bagging on John pretty bad for going with, uh, I mean, like, it was pretty brutal up here going for, for him going with Danny, but, like, he wasn't the only one. Like, the, for the entire series, she attracted people who had nowhere else to go. It started with Jorah, mm -hmm. and then Tyrion came to her yep. only when he had nowhere else to go, and then, um, what's his name, that came to her as well. I mean, everyone ends up at Danny when they've alienated the entirety of Westeros. I don't know. And I mean, that's why I think John like kind of latched on. It's like she takes in the like outcast, if you will, and wants to um, bring justice to those that are, you know, in a bad spot, if you will. Um, so I feel like it's just like natural for these like types to flock to her. Hey, by the way, um, to like flock to her. And, um, well, I think I mean, I, I feel like we're bagging a little bit on John for sticking with Danny after he found out that she was his aunt. But like, uh, I, I, I don't bag on him for like getting with her like in the 
first place oh, yeah, no, because no like hot girl with some dragons like who doesn't want that right i think some of it too was he thought he, he saw himself as like a check on her he thought that maybe if i'm here i can kind of rein her in keep her a little bit grounded yeah. until he very obviously couldn't at the very end yeah for well, sure john also his entire mo was um like taking care of the white walkers and like eliminating that threat and it she i mean it's gonna sound corny but she's kind of fire to fight that ice and uh i feel like he had to have been thinking well this allegiance could really help me with the white walker situation i got on my hands um so i feel like maybe breaking things off with her could also have made him nervous in terms of like that also hurts my chances of defeating the white walkers and so i mean yeah i like john don't get me wrong I, i really like him as a character i just the the incest like i'm not ever gonna get behind like it's just gonna be weird that's no big feeling to have i mean matt like like you how do do you feel about john like uh be not maybe not staying with danny but like getting with her in the first place like that's it's it's kind of obvious right like it's the song of ice and fire so yes yes i think i think john going with daenerys makes a lot of sense from uh both the character standpoint and a narrative standpoint I do think uh, just all this conversation has led me to another moment where I think the show a little bit failed it. Uh, the internal character, you could argue either way, but uh, the Daenerys' fellow dragon riders and that moment of who that's going to be was a, kind of a, a large source of speculation and a lot of buildup and narrative. And then when we got to it in the show, I feel like a hard failed it is that first moment where Jon gets on the dragon and it felt anticlimactic for something that should have been one of the great climaxes and even Daenerys's moment Daenerys's first dragon riding moment is a huge moment um the moment marine is a huge moment both in the books and in the show and so the next dragon rider should have been fundamentally like a fundamental game changer and said it was this thing that happened and then we got a, a an interesting CGI scene and then it, you know and then it was touched on in the battle um and then after that, you know, okay, Daenerys forgot about the Iron Fleet and we lose the dragon. And so this, this thing that should have, that felt titanic was both anticlimactic in the moment and then ultimately narratively unimportant. And I, I think that's another kind of case where, I, why I feel like the show kind of failed Jon Snow is that Jon Snow being a dragon rider is a historic moment in Westeros and it kind of didn't lead to anything. Yeah, no, it, it it led to literally nothing. I mean, she had already lost uh, one of the dragons, like, north of the wall. And then, again, like, Jon Snow gets a dragon and the dragon immediately gets shot down by the Iron Fleet. Um, I can't imagine uh, in any way, shape, or form that that is the way the author intended for that storyline to go. Like, I'm sorry, but... We haven't been teased about the three dragon riders for how many years now? 25? Uh, for it to finally be like, yeah, but the second we get the second we get to a point where Daenerys has rideable dragons and is in Westeros, they're all just dead. Um, that's a big that's a big failed it for the show, but like it, I don't think it's a failed it for Jon Snow as a character. That's just a big failed it for Benioff and Weiss for rushing the last season. Does anybody disagree with that? <laughs> Did you have some a follow up or okay, okay, your turn. All right, uh, I'll try to use this, but I'm so tall it's kind of awkward. Um, 
Yeah, there we go. Uh, so, yeah, I think in terms of like nailed it or, or failed it, uh, I think, you know, over the first half of the series, it was, they nailed it, right? Like he was, mm -hmm. you know, uh, for me, I really like connected with Jon Snow. I was like, this guy's awesome. Like, I want to be like this guy. And uh, I think the character, like what Matthew was talking about, was such an elegant way of putting it about being the outsider. And that makes sense. Like, when you look at it from that perspective, his actions make sense. But I think, like, all the hype leading up to it, you know, like, even the stuff with the Night King, like, the history that they had, and just as a fan, it's kind of like, you know, the, the mountain and the hound. You want to see that fight, right? Like, for <laughs> me, like, I want to see that fight. Like, yeah, maybe it may be boring from like a writer's viewpoint, but me as a fan that's been hyped up, like to have that misdirection, it hurt my soul. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting emotional just I, thinking I, about I, it. I saw that. Uh, and, and just the other part where I think the, the show kind of like failed that character was when Daenerys comes, like Jon Snow had just been crowned King of the North, you know? Yeah. The complexity of this show, everything has a repercussion to it, an action to it. You know, you have all these lords who have their own thoughts and opinions. Part of being a good leader that the show has said time and time again is you gotta learn how to navigate those things. And when you don't, you end up dead. And and he did, he just like, right, I'm succeeding to Daenerys and every lord's like, what, okay, I guess we're going along with this kind of stuff. And it, it wasn't believable based on the world that had already been established. So it made it hard as a viewer to just go along with that kind of stuff because of what you guys have referred to about them rushing the process. I kind of wish if they weren't interested in doing it, passing the torch on to someone else so that they could continue that. But of course, I don't know what behind the scenes are like, but those are just kind of my thoughts on like Jon Snow nailed it or failed it. I mean, I think that we could all probably agree that, uh, the seventh and eighth seasons of the either there should have been a ninth season or there the seventh and eighth seasons should have been the full like 10 episodes that the previous seasons were i don't think yeah. that's yeah. really an argument there it's it's they had even if they didn't want to do further seasons i think they could have probably worked with the the seasons that they had and maybe not finished the story the way of course book readers wanted it to but you're right like um a lot of the 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 rushing of when Jon Snow is king in the north and then again you know after we we after of course the whole rob thing and it's like that that end of like that episode or whatever in the first season is just and the first book that chapter is just so freaking moving and then you get it again with Jon and it's like Personally, I was like, eh, I would rather just them be screaming Sansa, Queen in the North. But um, like, I'll be like okay with this for like a hot minute, and uh, then like, it's it, it's all like you said, all those lords, they they they, and they say it over and over again too. They're like, we don't really know this person. We don't want to bow to her. Now, granted, she does help them fight. You know, then then uh, Night King, the White Walkers, their armies, etc. Um, but it's very much like it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's rushed and she's, she's also, she's still, she is so much of an outsider that 
and they are so they have been so set in their we want a northern kingdom first with rob and then with john that like this isn't just going to change overnight and it's 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 very uh and the fact that john is just like yeah just accept it is very weird especially after everything that he's been through he's fought positions of power repetitively but i feel like he was king of the north kind of as a stepping stone to make my girl sansa (coughs) queen of the north um and i think that was like a product of rushing the show um because Jon snow is not the kind of guy to be like yeah i'll be king sure like he's going to shirk that responsibility out of just being humble um not even like you know obviously he doesn't mind responsibility he just doesn't care for a lot of power um so i feel like he became king of the north just so that sansa would end up queen of the north you know what i mean like it was like a stepping stone more than anything else i don't know though he kept wanting to just bow his ass to Daenerys. <laughs> yeah. But do you have, do you have any like thoughts? A, I need your, I need your help kind of thing. Like yeah. it was, I don't know. Everything was just like, not like for love. It was for like political gain or this or that, or, you know, any thoughts before we get another question? Okay. You, sir. Um, just a couple of things. First, let's, um, let's have a moment because Howland Reed actually was there. So we can add him to the list of people that knew as well. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I want to mention at the start of was John was really, there was precedent for what he did because if I'm not mistaken, when the Targaryens first went to the north, yes. the, yeah, back then, he brought all the, the, the entire army there and was like, okay, we bow to you, we're good. Because he had seen what happened in the south. So, we could say John was doing the same thing, saving his people from having to be burned by dragons. He's doing the old gods work. <laughs> right. but, yes. um, but the main reason why I got up here was all three of you touched on something which I think is very important, is the failure of, the reason why John is a failure is despite all the things that he has seen happen, he did not change. And that lack of change is what killed Ned, it's what killed Rob, <laughs> And it's as if he just did not change his way of thinking. It's like, okay, well, maybe I should be more fluid on some of these decisions I'm making or the the people I'm backing because I don't know if it would have made it a more dynamic story, but for me, it would have made him more interesting to see him change and not be so predictable. But I think that's the Stark way, at least for the Stark men, is to be so predictable. (laughs) But, yeah, I I think, for me, I think that's a failure because I like my characters to sort of change and grow. And and he did it. Like, Sansa did, Arya did, um, Sam did. You want to see characters change and develop. And, unfortunately, he never did that even after he died you would think that would be something that would be a catalyst for change and it wasn't he just stayed the course all the way through to the end and that's all I want sure so to address to address both your points so first for people who don't know uh, the thing he's referencing is Torrin Stark uh, when the Aegon Targaryen first invaded was the king who knelt and so I think there are I think it is an effective historical parallel to have an independent northern kingdom fundamentally recalculate their need for independence based on the fact that this invader is not just some random southern invader, but they are Targaryen with dragons. I think that's a 
I think that's an interesting historical callback. And obviously the calculus there is different. Horan Stark knelt to save his people. John was kneeling to save his people, but primarily to entice the help of the dragons to fight the White Walkers. But I think that's a, a, a very cool historical parallel, and it does somewhat justify um, the kneeling to the Northern Lords uh, in when Rob Stark is first crowned king in the north, uh, the great John famously says, hey, it was the dragons we bowed to and the dragons are dead. But when Jon Snow bows to Daenerys, the dragons are alive. Uh, does it, somebody else want to talk about the second part? Or? No, no, I mean, I, that's, I, I, mean, I totally get that. Um, I, I think from, from my perspective, it's just like, uh, I don't have. I didn't have a problem with him bowing to Daenerys at first, for sure, because obviously, again, dragons. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I, I think that his continued just persistence in following her, or or at least at the very least, acting like because because here's the thing: like I think that the show didn't do a good job of showing us whether or well that I, I I don't want to blame it on the actor I hate doing that but like between the actor the directing the writing the show did not do us do a very good job of showing us whether he was blindly following her because he just wanted that or whether he was like afraid of her or whether he actually believed in her regardless like at some point Man, you you being dumb. I'm sorry, but you being dumb and like he th- th- there was no it it was like from point A to point B. Like one second he's like, you know, I'm your man. I don't want the throne. I'm following you. I'm following you. And the next second, you know, he's stabbing her. So um, I I get that at some point there was a break, but again. There was literally nothing, not from the actor, not from the writing, not from the directing, that showed us where that breaking point was. It was just, it, and, and that that's goes back to the fact that it was just all very rushed, I think. And I think they were trying to hold the suspense of, of how he felt, and I think, that, I think that hurt the character. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and I think that there's also a way that they could have shown him, you know, kind of breaking because it's like you know you see him being a little bit weirded out that she's his aunt but like there was there was so little from point a to point b that there there you cannot tell me i don't think that kit harrington is a bad actor i'm sure the directors weren't terrible you cannot tell me that there wasn't a way that they couldn't have kind of you know just made it a little bit more palatable for him to go from from you know I'm obsessed with you to I'm gonna just stab you um yes yes sir this this Ned this Ned looking guy you look oh you you're John you look like Ned right now you look like young Ned to me I'm sorry I'm going young Ned honestly the victory party outfit but great segue I'd say John nailed it up through the end of the long night and failed it post. I think John's main mission is defeating the White Walkers, saving the North from the White Walkers. The best way to do that is recruit Daenerys with her dragons to defeat the White Walkers. Right. Uh, I don't believe John was truly in love with Daenerys. I think he was using her for the dragon power. And you can see in the in the show, 
the day after they defeat the White Walkers, he cools towards her significantly, and coincidentally, that's the same time he finds out that she's his aunt, which is a convenient excuse to kind of break it off. I don't so, know that John is that smart. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I think he had feelings know. for her. I don't know if he was like madly in love with her, but I do think he cared deeply for her on a romantic level. I don't. I don't think that's true at all. No. No. I think. I think it was a boy uh, that he's using her to. Oh no! I di- I, I disagree. So I, I completely disagree. Being like, I'm gonna play with this girl's heart and emotions, use her armies. Do what I gotta do, and then throw her to side. Like, I I I honestly don't think that John has that much like thought in his head <laughs> to like play with somebody that deeply. Like I really think he cares about her. Eager to get on the side of the white. <gasps> no lies. Have you read the books? Uh, up through mid book five. Okay, so you've read the books, and you really don't think he loved a grit either. I, I think she had like the upper hand and he kind of had no choice because he's surrounded by wildlings and that's his way to not get killed by wildlings. I mean, he lost his virginity to her. I think he I loved think her a little. Uh, like, I, I, yeah, I, I think maybe he didn't want to love her, but he was like a little bit in love just from the virginity thing. They got married and had a kid after, you know. he is in love with her, but it's kind of a Stockholm syndrome that she has the upper hand, she's an older woman. I mean, maybe he likes um, a, you know, more powerful woman. John absolutely, absolutely wants that woman who's just going to tell him what He's the fuck to do. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is this a late enough panel that I don't have to pay 20 bucks for that swear? <laughs> oh, I owe you $40 now. After the long night, I think he drops the ball. He should have claimed not just rulership of the North, but all of Westeros, since he, he is the legitimate heir to the Seven Kingdoms. And um, it, it quells the question of Northern independence, because I believe if, if they elected John as King of the North, and John is the legitimate King of the South Six Kingdoms, he can reunify the kingdoms, whether by marrying Daenerys and having a co-rulership, or murdering Daenerys and being the sole surviving king. Okay, I have to ask. This is a poll right now. How many of you think John was in love with Igrit? How many of you think that John was in love with Daenerys? Okay, well, oh, let's re- let's let's rephrase. Okay, in lust with Daenerys. Okay, there we go. There we go. Thank you. I just I like do, do any of you how many of you think he was just using Daenerys though? I think we got we got like two or three votes here. <laughs> I like the idea of it, but I just don't think that Jon Snow. I, I don't as a Stark, especially. I mean, and honestly, you you are like up on the Starks. So like, do you think as a Stark that Jon Snow really would have just like used somebody like that? It seems inconsistent with the character we know. Right? Yeah, um, honor is his, and, and especially Jon Snow stabs somebody in the heart to save his kingdom. Like, I don't think season one Jon Snow would have done that. I think he does progress and change. Yes, I think in that way, and I think that's a, um, a, a following on of that. Now, I do, think, I do think if you wanted to support your theory, I think you could make the argument that Jon, so much being Ned's son, um, that Ned pulled an enormous deception with Jon Snow because he felt it was necessary, mm-hmm. and therefore you could argue that if Jon felt wooing Daenerys was necessary, that he would do a great deception to do so. Um, I think there's a, a 
in-universe justification for that. I, 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 I wasn't, I'm not particularly on like a John aping little finger sort of devious plane yeah, thing. No. That's not how I perceive no. him, but I, I, I see your thing. Yeah. I also wanted to grab on, um, you mentioned that you feel like John succeeded through the long night. And I, I, a previous person mentioned that they kind of wanted to see the John Night King battle. I think for John, I do think it's a successful narrative arc for him just to bring the forces together that are necessary to defeat the White Walkers and the Night King. I don't think he necessarily needed to be the person to personally slay the Night King. I obviously feel like that's a, a, a battle that's set up for us that, you know, the, the very famous staring into their, his eyes scene. Um, but I think it's okay that that wasn't, that John did defeat the Night King by bringing all of the pieces, Daenerys and the dragons of the Rapaki. And, oh God, nobody wants to talk about that. Um, I, I think they maybe could have made his particular long night actions either as a general or as an individual a little more uh, heroic, especially because we know the Night King is kind of also obsessed with Jon um, as being kind of the one who got away. And so there's, there's a different world where like they kind of show you that like Jon charging at the Night King is what pulls the other White Walkers away, which leaves the Night King unprotected. I think there's, there are things they could have done to kind of sell that a little better, but I do agree that like John's kind of, if you want to pull him back all the way back, what is this character doing? His purpose is to unite the disparate broken forces of Westeros to defeat the Night King, and that, and he does that successfully, and I, I do think that's a, a nailed it. I feel like the Night King fight could have echoed the the Ned Stark versus Arthur Dane battle. Yes. With Arya being a Howland Reed coming out, killing yes. like with a killing blow with the knife, and I thought for sure that's what they're going to set up, but they didn't do it. Uh, even though they changed the actor for the Night King to be their sword stunt coordinator, yes. Yes. which that points at a giant sword fight at the end, which never happened. Also, yeah. I'm just going to say that like there have now been two people in this audience who have gotten up and spoken and mentioned Howland Reed, and I want to ask you if you are Chloe Shills. <laughs> if you don't know who Chloe is, then listen to Girls Gone Canon, because uh, I'm pretty sure you're Chloe Shills. I, I, don't, I don't actually trust that you aren't. Yes, question over here. Uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought up Rob. Um, they hit all the same story beats. Rob was crowned king in the north, you know, fell in love with a foreigner, uh, ostracized his bannerman like the car starts, and then eventually was betrayed by his bannerman. Presumably, Jon Snow is aware of all of these events. Do you think that it was Jon's, uh, show Jon's intention to try to emulate Rob? Um, I just think that, I don't think being a trusting person is like a bad thing. Um, or even naive, so I, that's I don't know. I should I shouldn't even start talking. I, I I don't know how to answer that. Honestly, <laughs> I feel bad for talking about John like we are. Like I feel guilty. <laughs> I'm glad you do because I don't. Um, somebody has to, I guess. Uh, I mean, I think that no, I think I think that what the what the real thing is is that again the Starks being the honorable Starks that they are. Um, and it, it's kind of funny with their words being winter is coming. Um, and it's the Tully words that are family duty honor. But so much of the time, all of the Starks and John, who is, you know, technically like a Targaryen, um, even though his mother was a Stark, um, they, they, they really do go for more of that duty and honor, especially, uh, 
portion of the Tully words. And, and John, again, obviously not a Tully, as we all know. So uh, Catelyn really hated him. Um, so uh, I, it, it's, it's, I don't think that um, he was trying to emulate him by any means. I, I mean, but I think that that's one of the weird things that the show, you know, writers, directors, et cetera, actually kind of got right was that uh, just, just, just the thematic, you know, representation of that family and the members in it and how little they really bend and change the, well, let me rephrase, the male members in it don't really bend and change. And John was just, he, he, it seems like he emulated Rob only because he just stuck to that same sort of, uh, you know, life and, 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 you know, decision-making that his brother did because that is what their father taught them. Uh, to grab onto that, uh, one, uh, if you're going to marry a foreigner, again, marry a foreigner with dragons. <laughs> it helps. Mm-hmm. That's just a rule of life. But right. Yeah. <laughs> if they have dragons, marry them. If you okay. take anything away from this panel, it's that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don't get married unless somebody has dragons. <laughs> Um, I, I, I don't think John was consciously emulating uh, Rob. I think, I, 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 but I do agree there are distinct and I think intentional from a narrative standpoint parallels. Uh, and on the related topic of John changing and whether this is sort of these cycles are repeating and um, one of our previous commenters also mentioned kind of about the lack of change. I think and seeing the things that happened before and how those characters died and how this character didn't die. I think as an audience, we tend to treat death as an indication that the person was wrong. And a big part of this story is that that's, your death is not the end of your story. And we, this is seen very thematically through Ned Stark, who is a character who dies in alleged treasonous shame. But he's a character who has evoked, um, uh, I often joke that uh, A Dance with Dragons is a book about Ned Stark. Um, and he's evoked heavily also in the later seasons. Uh, there's a, a, a great scene with John talking to Theon about how he can be a Greyjoy and a Stark. And that centers around Ned. And John uh, in The Dragon Pit also uh, evokes um, Ned and about how words have to have meaning. And so I think it is entirely plausible that John saw what happened to Ned and saw what happened to Rob and felt like despite their deaths they did the right things and he was very comfortable walking down that path because he felt it was right and so if he's walking that path to his death then he has accepted that because he knows he's doing what's right and, and even um, like Theon Greyjoy um, he was kind of brought in as a Stark kid the same way John was in a sense um, and we see what all happened with Re Theon. Um, and uh, I think, like, I don't know, John, I guess, wasn't really fully aware of what all was going on there, but he did. Didn't he know that um, Theon had, like, allegedly had um, Bran hung and the younger, I can't remember the younger one's name. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he Wasn't knew he that aware? that had supposedly happened, but, like, obviously he, he found out. Because you would think they would have parallels, so they're both kind of like the, the outsider star kids, in a sense. Um, 
and he was not going to go the Theon route. He was going to go more of the Rob route. Um, and through example, I think he made the right choice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, Theon. Uh, that's an entirely different story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, question over here. A couple comments. How dare you? I'm straight my brain. A lot of comparison between John and Danny, just an observation I made. Can you hear me? I just realized I went into the microphone. Uh, a little bit closer. John, I think, was trying to find justice, if you will, and ended up with power. Mm-hmm. Danny, right. trying to find power, ends up also trying to find justice. So I think that's sort of a, a difference between them. Um, I don't know exactly how that feeds in. There was just a lot of John-Danny comparison a minute ago, and I thought of that. Um, also, I wanted to say that uh, we've all agreed that there were just kind of Russian things. But the idea of the North, or John, as King of the North, bowing to Danny, even if it is, there's precedent for it, or he's doing it to save the people, I can see a lot of ways it makes sense. But the fact is, there would still be a lot of politics behind it. It wouldn't just be like, okay, I bow the knee. Okay, we all bow the knee. Let's move forward. There would be backroom conversations and arguments about taxation rates and all this other stuff that George loves to go into for entire freaking books. Right, of that course. the show just maybe gave one scene to, you know, so I guess that's a fail. Um, the other was, um, I, I want to argue that John did change, both in the books and the show. I think he changed a lot. You might be able to argue that uh, his core character didn't change, but I'm not even sure if that's true. But he definitely changed the course multiple times. He didn't go to the wall dead set on letting the wildlings through, right? He, that was a, a big change in him, uh, uh, to, and, and it was not without like a lot of support from other, you know, he had to make this huge decision change about, I don't know, I think there's other ways he might have changed too that might be more subtle or maybe game in debate, but the idea when he showed up, he didn't get that he was a better fighter than these other people because he was rich and trained, but it didn't make him a better person, right? But I think eventually he did start to understand that, and he wanted to stand up for the lesser soldiers and make sure they did get the right training, he was more humble about himself, etc. So I, I, I think you'd argue that, uh, that John did change. And also I wanted to make the point that Matt made is that even if he was just staying the course, and it got him killed, and then other people, it doesn't mean they were doing the wrong thing just because it got them killed. If it saves their families, or if it preserves the value of a promise made, or whatever else, it might be worth your life. Anyway, more comments and questions, sorry. (laughs) No, no, that's okay, that's okay. We love this. Um, I will say, though, that we're getting close to running out of time. So we're gonna real quick uh, go to you, and then you, and like, when I say real quick, we got like five more minutes, so. Uh, Yeah, and keep it short. So, uh, do you think there was a more justifiable reason for uh, the betrayal of Jon Snow uh, by Owen Marsh and the others in the book, uh, since he like more directly violated the principles of the Night's Watch by like, trying to go to the war with Ramsay, and uh, as opposed to just uh, letting the wildlings in, in the show? And uh, and along those lines, uh, do you think there is a good reason for his resurrection in the books going forward? Okay, so I, one, I think, well, yes, I think you could argue that John more definitively was violating the Night's Watch oath in the books. Uh, an interesting thing is that the assassination was already planned before he gave that speech that finally definitively broke that. He's giving that to the, when he's giving that speech to the wildlings in the hall, the assassination has already been planned, um, which is kind of an interesting combination of, of how things are escalating. 
Um, I, I do think, though, that it, that sort of the book's thing of the, the violation being this disagreement over the wildlings and, and whether John is really still serving the Night's Watch's purpose is, is a slightly, uh, is a little bit of a handle for the show. I would agree with that. Yeah, it, it, it's, um, I mean, I mean, honestly, like, so, so when Jon Snow was murdered, of course, uh, by his brothers in the Night's Watch, and I, I use brothers lightly because, um, what's that kid's name? Ollie. <laughs> Nobody counts him. He doesn't count. I can't say one thing. We can't swear. Yeah, don't swear. <laughs> don't swear. I've done it too much already. And honestly, I have two more panels tomorrow. So I'm just like, I'm just going to get the cash out later. I'm a bastard. Uh, so, so, so. It, when when John gets murdered by those by by his quote unquote brothers in the Night's Watch, um, it's definitely like he. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I it's it's very difficult for me to talk about this and not just be like, mm, I mean, I get why they did it, but also like, for Christ's sake, like the show just. In the books, they, and I think especially in the show, it's like when they have the little boy be part of it, it's like really weird because like, he's like, yeah, I just like came from Molestown and like the wildlings like, you know, wrecked my town. So like, I'm part of this now. And it was like, it was very much like, um, like shock value, but that is what Game of Thrones is about. So. I mean, that was definitely an F you to John to include Ollie. I mean, it's like, it. Who's going to include a child in a murder? Like it, it was just like a only an extra, Game of Thrones. Oh, <laughs> to John. I agree about the show. I was just primarily talking about the books. Or, oh, yeah, gosh. oh, I know. It's I know. I'm sorry. It's just so hard to just not be like, but the show did it so badly. <laughs> um, and, well, especially just in a nailed it or failed it panel when we're supposed to be talking about like the differences between what happened in the show and what happened in the books. It's like when he was murdered in the books and like, of course we haven't seen him come back. Um, I remember being at Ice and Fire Con and we were watching um, the premiere, I think it was 2016, it must've been 2016, we were watching like the premiere episode of that season and we were like, we literally took bets on when John would come back that season. And I was like, whoever bets the correct episode gets a prize. Um, and weirdly enough, only one person actually bet that he would come back in the second episode. Cause I, I'm pretty sure it was the second episode, whatever the episode was, but it, I'm pretty sure it was the second. And, um, it, I just, um, I feel like we don't know exactly how it's going to happen. Of course, in the books, you know what I mean? It's going to be more involved. I'm sure. Uh, but I, I, I mean, and who knows how long, I mean, we'll have to wait. It's going to happen in Winds of Winter for sure, but somebody over there is saying, no, it's not. No, not oh, okay. Oh, come on. Come on. Let's not go there. And, and yes, I think there's going to be a much better explanation for John's revival in the books yeah. revolving around warging into ghosts and his body being preserved in yeah. the wall itself. Uh, there's a lot of setup for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Real quick. One more. Sorry, I just wanted to quickly offer another, my interpretation or another like theory for why John bowed to, to Danny, uh, which is not maybe disappointing, but not entirely uh, unre uh, unrealistic or unsympathetic in my opinion, which is not that he was necessarily in love with her or manipulating her, but that he was just exhausted and lonely. 
and like the entire yeah. his entire life he's like this person who is completely driven by his ideals and his principles and he's like making all these decisions he has like decision fatigue from all this right or wrong and nobody is backing him or supporting him he's on his own and he finally like meets somebody who he decides for whatever reason he believes in and he can have faith in because of her actions and so it's like oh what a relief i can like just support her and not have to do this all by myself anymore and so then when she starts making questionable decisions it's like this like you know, cognitive dissonance where it's like, but I decided to believe in you and I never back off of what I believe. Like, that's who I am. But that's like, now you're not acting like you were supposed to and I don't really know what to do anymore because I kind of gave up on making these decisions myself. So oh yeah, that's a good, yeah. I kind of gave up on making these decisions myself. Okay, so we're going to close it out real quick, but I want to do a couple quick votes. First of all, who thinks that Game of Thrones, the show, nailed it with Jon Snow? Oh, okay. Okay. Wow, really? 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 We got like, okay. like, like. I think it's because we just spent a panel arguing about all yeah, this. Yeah, like we got like 2% of the audience here is like, maybe? Okay, failed it. Who thinks they failed it with Jon Snow? Where's the rest of you at? Like, there's like, oh, that's only like 20. We've got like 22% of the audience voting. Okay. Better question, though. Better question. Who thinks that it is absolutely legitimate that Jon Snow rode off with the wildlings at the end? Because, right? For sure. That's really, what really, we're still be. only at like forty percent here. What is going That's on? That's what you okay. wanted to. Where be. are your people's opinions? <laughs> I was a failed guy, but one of the ways I think the show nailed it is that the ending with Jon of him again, who this this person who's been this outsider, this outsider, choosing affirmatively to go with the wildlings. And, and finding a sort of home was a nailed it. And that this is that one thing. And also him being with Ghost and Tormund. And despite the fact that he's lost so much, he's lost the women he loved, he's so, lost his family, and he's lost even Sam um, through his exile. He has still this, this group that he's found and that John the Outsider has found a place where he can find home I think is an absolute nail that I think they yes and I yes. think they nailed that in the show and I think they betrayed that well and um I thought that last moment with him was really great I mean honestly that's what I was going for I was like I'm I'm asking people to raise their hands if they thought that they nailed it with John going off with the wildlings and I'm like there's like maybe 40 percent of you raising yeah. your hands and I feel like very sad that you don't like that that people don't actually feel like that exact because that's going to be John's ending. That is meant to be his ending, honestly. Um, he is not meant to be a ruler. He is meant to go off with his buddies north of the wall and just live his life in the cold, frigid north. And in the show, the alternative is being executed. So yeah, he yeah. ends up getting what he really wants, and he's with he's ghost. good. He's, he's good. He's good. But he can always come back from north of the wall. No, he can't. He's, There's he's no coming banished. back from North of the Wall. The story is over. And also, this panel is too. <laughs> and Sansa's not going to let it happen. Good night, you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for your lovely conversation. Thank you for listening to the Geek Saga podcast. If you like what you heard, please check out other Geek Saga entertainment endeavors, including the Sagas and Sass webcast and podcast and Ice and Fire Con.